Hey, happy new year, everybody. Uh, I hope that it's been good for you so far. I know it's short and sweet, but uh, so let me ask you something. When I was a kid and I'd get together with my buddies like post Christmas, right? Uh, we would say, hey, hey, how'd you do with Christmas? Uh, now, now, uh, you're thinking, well, that's a lot of things. Maybe it's about food. Maybe it's about the people that you're with, and it was just warm and fuzzy, and that's the response. Like, I got to be with my parents. I got to be with these special people. Maybe you proposed, right? No, when we were asking each other this, how did you do with Christmas? It was, uh, did you get what you wanted? That's, that was our, our whole objective. And so we as buddies, we'd kind of like circle around and, and talk to each other. And, it, and sometimes it was like, oh yeah, I got the, the jacket I wanted or hey, hey, look at the game I got. But the question was all about, was your Christmas good based on, did you get what you wanted? Now, think about how you see life. Think about when you think about a day that's good, huh? Or you think about a day that's bad. Is that not how, it's not just a Christmas kind of thinking. You and I have a tendency to do the same thing with our days. Like if I said, how's your day? You might be thinking, well, have I gotten what I wanted? So let me ask you right now, basic question in life. This is a basic question in life. How do you get what you want? Now, first thought might be because of Christmas, you go to Amazon, right? And right now there are warehouses all over the world prepped with box after box on pallets all over the place. They are armed and ready that as soon as you tell them what you want, they ship it to you. Now it's a little slower, I know that, but, but when you and I want what we want, there's all over the place people ready. But I don't think it's about Amazon or or maybe Target, or maybe you shop local, whatever you do. What about the stuff, though, that you want that you can't go to the store and get? Like if you wanted better health, right? How do you get that? What about, what about if, if you want to get engaged, and, and, you like, and you want to get married one day, and that's what you want? You don't hopefully just go to some store, hopefully you're going to get that, right? You don't, you don't do that. If, if you're in the ranching or the farming world and you, wanna, you want the crop that you need or, or the herd that you want, right? You don't just go somewhere and, and get it, but you want it. How do you get what you want? If you want a thriving marriage, uh, kids that are on the right path go in the right direction, how do you do it? There's often a, a misquoted verse in the Bible. I want to I read this to you because uh, this is one of the worst used verses, I think, in the Bible. So let me read it to you. Psalm 37.4, watch. Uh, Take delight in the Lord. Okay, so far we're good. And he will give you your heart's desires. Come on. Every child just wrote that down for next Christmas, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to tell I'm telling Santa, I'm going to go to God and say, God, this is what I want for Christmas. This verse, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Because sometimes a way that we get access to what we want, and we think God is simply a, uh, a genie, right? Well, this is not just you. I don't want you to feel shame at all in this if your approach with God or, or just life in general is going after just what you want. There's actually an old approach. This is like super, super, super ancient. And in order to understand this, if you were to read the Bible— you and I are going to read the Bible as, well, most of us are Americans. Uh, 
We live in a society where we're used to the digital world and, and our world is, is, is unique. If you read the Bible, all the happenings there were happening in a different culture, different place, different often religions and all stuff was going on. Uh, Dr. Walton, John Walton says this, to interpret the Old Testament well, we must try to dip into their, talking the cultural people, the people who, who the Bible's talking about, dip into their cultural river. So if we're gonna understand verses like, God gives us the desires of our hearts, let's understand what the people of the Bible we're wrestling with and thinking about how they saw this world. Here's the first one I want. If you take notes, you ought to, because I'm gonna ask you questions at the end of this. Uh, at that time, different gods, different jurisdictions. Here, here's what this meant, that the people who originally heard verses like what I read to you about God gives you the desires of your heart. Different gods, different jurisdictions, meaning that, that for what they wanted, they had a God for it, right? So, uh, in simplest terms, if you wanted a certain shoe, you would have a shoe God. If you wanted a certain temperature, you would have a temperature God. So they did too. They had gods all over the place who had their corner of the earth. Let me read this to you. I think this is helpful. 2 Kings 23, 13. The king also desecrated the pagan shrines east of Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Corruption. And listen, where King Solomon of Israel had built shrines for Ashereth, the detestable goddess of the Sidonians. So the Sidonians had their own god. And for the Chemosh, the detestable god of the Moabites. So the Moabites had their own god. And for Moloch, the vile god of the Ammonites. So the Ammonites had their own god. You're getting a trend here. If you go to 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, after the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod, Watch what they do. They carried the Ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside the idol of Dagon. What I want you to get in your mind is that for century upon centuries upon centuries, if people wanted to get what they wanted, they had a God for that. And that particular God had a corner of the world. You probably have heard of the sun God, the moon God, the ocean God, the sky God. Stars were considered gods. And the way people approached this was, if they wanted to have a baby, they went to the God of fertility. If they wanted to have a healthy family, they went to the God of families. If they needed healing, they went to the God of healing. The, the reason I tell you this is because when God begins to communicate to the people at that time of Israel, he says, I'm going to be your one and only God. I have all jurisdiction over all of the earth. And he tells them, you don't need any other God because I am the one and only God. And that messed with them. Here's another thing that messed with them. At that time, purpose, rules, and order, purpose, rules, and order weren't mankind's job. You and I have a tendency to think of what rules do you want to follow, and you find those rules. You, maybe you make them up, or, or you might be saying, I have a purpose. I want to find my purpose and go do my purpose. They didn't, they didn't think that way. They believed wholeheartedly that whatever God they worshipped governed their purpose, the order of the world, and where to go. 
Think about it regarding creation. Uh, if you read the creation account, Genesis 1, 1 through 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. I'm gonna come back to that. Just hold, hold, hold on. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The earth was formless and empty. Here's what I want you to know. If you dive into the original meaning, this is fascinating. I'll, I'll reinterpret this. According to the original language, the beginning of the Bible starts off with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without purpose or order. In other words, before you and I most people, when they wanted to know what to do and how to do it, they went to the God they worshiped. Now, those two things I just told you, I wasn't just trying to nerd out. That's, that's all about learning how to understand the Bible, knowing how they would hear things and, and how they heard things is that there were, there were multiple gods with multiple roles in life. And then they also knew that those gods were the ones who came up with purpose and order and the rules. Here's our issue. I'm going to read it. Here's two things. Again, if you're taking notes, here's two things that I think are current problems. So when I asked you earlier, I had intentions. When I said, how do you get what you want? Here's two problems that go after that. One is we have authority issues these days. Here, uh, we, not God, determine when and where God is allowed. That's an authority issue. We believe now, and this is not good, I'm not suggesting this be a good thing that we do, but today's cultural river, right, now says that you and I, not God, you and I determine where God is allowed and where he is not allowed. Think about areas of your life that you have not allowed God to speak into. Today's culture says that's totally okay. Give some to God, but don't let him touch other. Uh, here's another one, uh, another order issue. We, and this is bad, by the way, we, not God, determine our own timing, purpose, and order and rules. That's not good. So nowadays, what's normal is we say, God, you have your corner, I get the rest of the space. But not only that, we say, and guess what? The rules, if I don't like your rules, I'm making up my own rules that mesh a little bit more with how I see this world. Well, that begins to unravel in a lot of ways. In fact, uh, I want to tell you a story as you think about, I could show you how this plays out. It's in the Bible. It involves the uh, first king of Israel. His name's Saul, and, uh, and all of a sudden he finds himself in a situation, I think, similar to what you and I find ourselves in. He's not getting what he wants, and his response is indicative of what I just told you and indicative of how we are approaching life now. I'll just start reading it to you, and then we'll talk about it. 1 Samuel 28.3, meanwhile... Samuel had died. He was the man of God. He was God's representative. If you wanted to know what God said, you went to Samuel. Meanwhile, Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him. He was buried in Ramah, his hometown, 
And Saul, the king, had banned from the land of Israel, listen to this, all mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. In other words, the people who were, you and I call them mediums or psychics or fortune tellers or whatever, uh, they were banned. Saul, Saul banned them from the land. If you want to know why, because uh, God told him to, and he's like, hey, we don't listen to the psychics and the fortune tellers and all that. We don't do that. We go to God because he's our one and only God, and he tells us what to do and how to do it. Then Saul hits a problem. Here, you'll find it in 1 Samuel 28, verse 5. When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, that's the enemy army. When he sees the enemy army, he became frantic with fear. Ooh, is that not what you and I do? All of a sudden, when you're afraid or, or there's this desperate emotion that goes on on us, maybe it's you've fallen in love, you're attracted to someone, there's something you wanna buy, or you're scared of that, you get bad news. Does that not stir stuff up in us? And we start to go, okay, I now know what I want. How do you get what you want? Well, he asked the Lord what he should do, but the Lord refused to answer him. You ever been there? When God didn't give you an answer that you wanted or he seemed silent? He didn't answer him either by dreams or by sacred lots or by the prophets. So Saul said, then said to his advisors, find a woman who is a medium. Remember, he banned them because they only had one God. But now that he's not getting what he wants, he tells his people, go find the medium. Go find me one because I want to know some information. You and I, uh, in this new year, I'm telling you, we're facing some major decisions. No, I don't know your future. You don't know mine. But can you and I say that as we go after things that we want, we oftentimes make some of the worst decisions of our lives. When we chase, maybe it's just the desire that we thought was decent, but we went about it our own way. What's your 2022 going to look like? How are you going to get what you want? I can tell you what Jesus, well, what he told us, this John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's another way to say he's the only way. How do you get what you want? I'm gonna say some things that I think you know, but I wanna walk you down this path. I think one of life's greatest temptations is to treat God's way, to treat God like it's not worth the cost. I, I think when we look at God's way and God's timing and God's words, God's standards, God's boundaries, God's rules, God's purpose, it's so easy, it's a temptation to say, that costs me too much. I don't feel that. And what that does is, just so you know, <laughs> it puts us in a consumer mentality with God. This is where this all comes together. You see, Christmas sometimes does that to us, right? We're looking for what we want. We're giving people what they want. And it's easy to get into that flow of consumerism, getting what we want and giving what we want. 
And I'm going to tell you something about Christianity. Christianity was never designed to be good by consuming. It was never designed to be a consumer-driven relationship. And I think your 2022 needs some of this. Being a follower of Jesus just isn't designed to be all about just what you want. So with the idea that Christianity is not designed for consumers, with, with that on your, on your, your thinking brain right now, let me tell you a story. Uh, true story, a pastor tells us about an experience he had in college. Uh, he was in, in Malaysia at some place, and he was attending a church service. And at the church service, they were having baptisms. I mean, come on, we as a church do this. This is, this is normal and standard that someone would come to a church service, and, and those who were new Christians and had never been baptized before were about to have like that moment where they go public, come on, about their faith in Jesus. Well, the, the pastor I'm telling you that tells a story, he's there just kind of observing. It's not his church, he's just observing. And as people are lined up to get baptized, he notices off in the corner that there's like luggage leaning against the wall. It just seemed out of place and kind of weird. And this girl walks up and she tells her story and, and she gets baptized. You know, people cheered, normal, this is exciting. And uh, the whole service is over. It's really encouraging. But this guy that's visiting, this pastor that's visiting, goes and kind of inquires about like, hey, so what's, what's the luggage for over there in the corner? And the pastor of the church knew exactly what it was. In fact, he, he tells him, he's like, oh, that, that young girl who was just baptized, she was told before she came by her father, that if she were to ever get baptized, she would not be allowed to come back home. And so what she did is, rather than say, oh, I can't lose my home, she packed her things up in luggage and brought them to church with her because she was willing to take on that kind of cost. I know that's not normal for you and I. I know you and I can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and not have that kind of adversity, but come on, we've got to say, but what costs should I be taking on? What should I be doing that I'm not doing because I'm afraid to actually have this cost me something? There is a word that we're going to use all throughout 2022 as a church. The word is first, meaning that we're going to try to figure out together how do we make God first in everything? How, how do we actually, not like with hyperbole or, or, or just like with religion kind of stuff, how do we actually say life is not all about me getting what I want, I actually want God to be first in everything? So you're gonna hear me say a bunch, I'm, I, just so you know, 2022, our theme, God first in everything. And the sermons are going to be built on teaching both you and I. We're going to walk through how do we actually make God first in everything, in our marriages, at our workplaces. How do we actually make it work in our relationship where God is truly first? To do that, uh, things like Philippians 3.8, yes, everything else is worthless. 
when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm going to read, read that. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage, oh, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. I'm trying to give you examples of Christian after Christian, some in the Bible, but even after, that said my approach to God is going to be that I'm willing to let it cost me things. So how do we do this? My word of call it wisdom for you is you're going to have to cut the rope. Yep, you're going to have to cut the rope. Let me tell you why. This is an old story, but it's good. In 1853, the World's Fair came to America, specifically New York City, of course, right? And, and they built this whole exhibit, exhibit place where, where they built this whole facility where inside of it at the World's Fair, they would bring and gather some of the greatest inventions and developments going on in our nation just to kind of show it off. Like, this is gonna be amazing. And uh, a guy that you may have never heard of, Elisha Otis shows up. No one really knew him. Uh, Elisha Otis uh, was the guy who had invented, get this, this will not thrill you or amaze you at first, the elevator brake. Now, of course, you're like, I'm glad elevators have brakes. I know you are. <laughs> but he was the inventor, and he was trying desperately all the time, trying to sell the elevator brake. Let me give you some stats. At the time, in New York City, which if you've ever been there, you know there's skyscraper after skyscraper after skyscraper. At this time, there wasn't more than a few buildings more than five stories tall. You know why? Because everyone was afraid of an elevator going higher than that because of the danger it would pose if it collapsed or something went wrong. So this guy shows up and he's like, I've invented the elevator brake. But everyone was skeptical, right? It's like, if I tell you right now, hey, your 2022 should be all about God. Put God first. Some of you, I know this, are skeptical with it, going, that's too risky. No way. I mean, I'll give God a little bit of this, a little bit of my life for this time, but no, 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 that's too risky. Cut the rope. Here's where that comes from. So he did his pitch. I think we can call it now the elevator pitch. What he does is he had built this platform and it was raised up all above everyone else. And they were listening to him sell his product, talk about his invention of the elevator brake. No one was excited about it, but he was selling it. He says, all right, everyone, I'm about to show you that this works. And there was a rope connected to the platform he was standing on the only thing holding it up. And he yelled out loud, cut the rope. And they did. And the platform plummeted only a couple feet. And the elevator brake kicked in and saved his life. Um, the pitch worked. <laughs> All of a sudden, within one year, 
a skyscraper is getting built in New York City because there's an elevator now deemed safe enough because it has an elevator break. In fact, it was on Broadway. Here, this is a kicker. Uh, within 50 years, over 500 skyscrapers would fill the whole skyscraping landscape of New York City. He literally, he literally changed the world. And it started with, cut the rope. Can you imagine the feeling? <laughs> that needs to be your feeling and mine. I hope that you are watching this amongst some other people. I hope you are. You may not be, but I hope that you are. I want to give you a little bit of homework now. I actually want to turn this over to you now and have you process 2022. I mean, we're right at the beginning of this. Come on, this is, I think, the best time to do this. If you're going to make this year where God is first, you have areas of your life that you will choose what jurisdiction to give God, which corner, or maybe all of them. But you're going to have to cut the rope. There will be perhaps some relationships that you've got that are so toxic and they are pulling you away from God. You might have to cut that rope. Perhaps your job or your hobbies or the way you do recreation has been pulling you away from God. But I think you need to look at your relationships. You need to look at your responsibilities. And you and I come up and say, how do we make God first in everything? And here's what I want you to do. Here's your assignment that hopefully you'll, you'll talk about with each other. What ropes need to be cut so that you can live for God. Maybe it's how you run your finances. Cut that rope. Maybe it's how you treat people. You know what one of the ropes that most of us have in our lives? I'd call it the bitterness rope. Maybe you need to cut that. Maybe you have some animosity that you've been holding on to. And to put God first in your life, you need to cut that rope and forgive. I don't think you need any more help from me. I think you're going to be able to make up a list of the areas of your life that you're willing to put God first in everything. And here's the deal. I think your list needs to be longer than what you can accomplish just in the next hour. I think you can make a goal of the different facets of your life that you can make God first in everything. Don't be like the folks long, long time ago where they got what they wanted in the ways that they wanted. And they found out at the end, they were lacking. So here's what I wanna do, I wanna pray for you this year. I pray this, that, that, that your year would be all about God in every facet, every corner, every relationship, every responsibility, everything you do, that God would be the center of it. Here, let me, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we wanted right now just surrender this year to you, this new year. Lord, we know that this whole year is full of uh, what you're aware of, but yet we aren't. But we decide now what we are aware of, that we want to give it to you. We want you to be first in everything. So right now, Lord, I pray over everyone willing to cut the rope. Lord, would you reveal to us in our own lives the, the, the places that we have not let you reign in, that we've not let you have access to, Lord, I pray for the marriages right now that don't have you as the center of them. Lord, would you, would you help them cut the rope and make you the center 
Lord, for those who are, who are students, who, who are wrestling with whatever's going on at school and whatever's not going on at school, Lord, would you help them cut the rope and, and help, them, help them make you the center of even their social life? Lord, whatever area of life that we've not let you have access to, help us cut the rope. Help us risk. Help us be willing to sacrifice. But Lord, we ask that you would literally give us the promptings. Help us make our lists of the areas that we've given to you and the areas that we haven't. And Lord, we commit to you as a church scattered all over the world. We are gonna make you first in everything. Lead us, empower us, and we give you all the glory. We pray this in your name, amen.